Uh, I think we got all this electronics figured out. Uh, we've got to get rid of that buzzing. We'll get rid of that buzzing. But uh, it's amazing. Uh, pretty soon the, the preacher's going to have to flip off his shoes, which my shoe, my shoelace is untied actually this morning, but he's going to have to flip off his shoes and do something there. And boy, oh boy, all this electronics is getting really out of control. Unbelievable. Um, let's... Uh, no, that, 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 that's okay. Look at he's going to tie my shoe for me. Now that is amazing. I, I really like that. Well, I'll just preach on while he ties. I, I like that. That's, that's nice. That's really nice. So we are in the seventh chapter of the book of Judges. And there's no way that you can read a biography by starting in the middle. And so, uh, in order to get all the facts laid right, you're going to have to start at chapter number 6. And so, I'm going to review some of the things that David so aptly took up last week in order to get... Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Well, that, that, was, that was very gracious of you. God bless you. Yes. That's great. That's, that is wonderful. I do appreciate that indeed. So we'll begin, we're, we're dealing with uh, Gideon, and um, he would be considered one of the heroes of the faith, right? Here, here is, a, here is a, a man who did heroic feats in his life. But remember what we see at the beginning of the chapter is that the people of the nation of Israel were hiding in dens and caves. They were in darkness, weren't they? Because they felt the oppression of the Midianites on them. So here they were hiding in dens and caves. And we find our hero in a wine vat. And, 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 and you know, it's easy to sit in a wine vat. I could do that. I, I had a grandfather. I'll tell you grandfather I had, and, and all he did was he had his little routine in life, and, and that little routine was centered around three individuals, I, myself, and me. His whole life was centered around those three individuals, and all he concentrated was on himself. I could do that. My nature, by nature, I think I could, I could follow along suit, and I could sit in my little wine vat. Cozy down deep in a little wine vat because I'm so scared of the enemy out there, the Midianites, that they're going to take this little pot of grain that I have, all that I have to eat. I am so in fear of this that I sit down there and, and I just keep and hide. And, and Have you ever seen a squirrel come out of a tree? I love it. I got them out of a house. They come out of the tree. They see something on the ground. And they, they run out of the tree. But when they're out of the protection of that tree and they're down on the ground, then they sit down there and they're doing this all the time. But they have a little morsel. Like this. You know, yeah. that's what it that's, that's, you know, you, do, you can't hardly believe they could live that way. So they die of a nervous breakdown. You know? That's where our hero is. That's Gideon. He was so overtaken by the power of these Midianites and so forgetful of the power of the God of heaven who controlled the nation of Israel even while they were there in dens and caves and wine presses in absolute fear of the enemy. And so 
the, the whole tilt of this passage is, is not that we look at Gideon and we say, oh, what a hero he is. My, what great feats he accomplished. What great battles were won at his hands. At his hands? Come on. We don't read of him having any uh, kind of a history of being a great general or, or, or being uh, uh, great in strategy and war. We see a man cowled up in a wine press and a God from heaven saying, Get out of the wine press and get into the battle. That's what the God of heaven was saying to him. He said it in more kinder terms. He called him, Oh, thou valiant man. Isn't that amazing? I would have said, What are you doing? Do you not know that the God of heaven walks with you? He empowers you. He embraces you. What are you doing here? I would have pounded him on the head. God says, Oh, mighty man of valor. What grace. What mercy. Gideon tests God. And then God tests Gideon. He says, go to your father. Break down those altars. And we, we had that last week. How that shows us that we've got to go to our own home first. The criteria for an elder. To have his... House in order. For, you can't deal with all the people of God in this kind of a setting where you've got a local body of believers if you haven't got your own home in order. He says, get your own home in order. And so he goes back and he, and he deals with the altars that his father, Joash, had set up. And you remember the people in the city said, you know, we found out who did that. He came in and crushed the altars and it was your son. It was your son Gideon. He's the one who did it. And Joash must have, the light must have gone on in his brain. He said, wait a second. Do we have to prop up our God? No. You know, here we have in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, you have the taking of, of, of the ark of, of the covenant. And, and when they took the ark of the covenant, the Philistines put it in with their God Dagon. And you remember the first night? They found that the Ark of the Covenant had fallen down, that Dagon, excuse me, had fallen down at the foot of the Ark of the Covenant, like if it was always worshiping the Ark. And so the Philistines came, oh my goodness, the priest said, look at this. And they picked up their God and they put him back on his feet again. Listen, if you've got to pick up your God and put him back on his feet again, it's time to get a new God. It really is. So the next night they came in and what his face was crushed off and his, his hands were crushed off. All that he could do, all that he thought, anything is totally absent of any real power. And he was laid down in front of the ark again. Let me tell you, if you've got to get out super glue and glue up your God, it's time to get another God. And that's exactly what they had to do. And so it must have dawned on Joash, you know, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense here. If our gods are truly gods, well then they can defend themselves. Let them defend themselves. What are we doing here? And then verse 34 of chapter 6 is key. 
I want you to see this because it's key. This is where it all starts. And verse 34, uh, 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 excuse me, 34 of chapter 6 is the key to all of Gideon's life. This is what it says. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. It's, it's the same uh, use in, in the language that you would put a coat on your back. You would lay a coat across your back. That's how the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You say, this is a guy that was cowled up on a wine vat for fear of the Midianites, and yet he's going out and he's running them down. After killing them in battle, he runs after them and runs them down. It doesn't seem like the same guy. It's not the same guy. Because now he's closed in the Holy Spirit. Not by might, nor by strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that's exactly what empowered this man. He had the Spirit of God all over him. Listen, we have the Spirit of God in us. We don't have any excuses, folks. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. We've got even a more intimate relationship because the Lord Jesus Christ, by His blood shed at the cross, cleaned it all up inside there and said, now it's good enough, go in. Wow! What an advantage we have. We're not clothed as He was over the top. It was in. And we walk with that every day. What a power. That sometimes we... We cast off to the side and we say, oh, man. And we begin to act and respond like the world out there. Oh, oh, look at this. I, I know myself. I do this stuff, you know. Oh, the, the fear mongers, you know. Oh, this is going to You're better than that. You're better than that. You're, I'm not saying that, you, you know, I could sit up here and I could, I could sound like some preachers and, and say, boy, you've got the power inside you, man. You, you, No, no. But you do have the power inside you. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. Take no credit to yourself. Because that's what this whole passage is dealing with. That we don't steal God's glory. That's why He took a nobody like Gideon. That's why he took a left-handed man like Ehud. So we don't steal God's glory. Because we don't have any right to it. I'll tell you, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of preaching going on right now that wants to give the glory, take it from God, and give it to the people in the audience. And that's heresy. That's heresy. And that's why we have this chapter. That's why we have what we have here in the Word of God, because we want we don't want to steal the glory of God. And so Gideon puts out the fleece. We know the story. Puts out the fleece. Make it wet. The ground dry. Oh, I got that messed up. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. Now, have a little patience. I probably got that wrong because the fleece is very heavy and because it's heavy, that's why it was wet and the ground was dry. So, can you reverse it? Make it, reverse it, God. <laughs> you know, God is gracious. I would have been pounding Him on the head while He was still in the wine vat. And here God says, no, no problem. Gideon, I, I know you're not a strong man. You're, you're, you're not the pillar of courage. And, and so, I'll go ahead and reverse it. 
will make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And then we pick up chapter 7. <clears throat> then Jeroboam. You know, sometimes I think God has a sense of humor. I, I really do. Because why would we go here with the Word of God? Then Jeroboam. Oh, who, who is Gideon? And, and Joash named him Jeroboam, his own father. And, and Jeroboam means let Baal plead. Basically, it's the inference is let Baal plead for himself. Let, let Baal take up the battle. If he's got the power, let's, let's see if he's got the power. Let him put himself back on his feet. Let him get out the glue and glue himself back together. Let him defend himself if, if his altars are torn down. It's quite apparent that the reputation of Gideon spread far and wide. Because of some of the things that we're going to see in chapter 7, it doesn't seem that they are mystified by this man Gideon. Oh, who's, who's Gideon? Who's Gideon? No, I don't think so at all. It was no who's Gideon by this time. The word of his exploits apparently had gone far and wide. And so it says in verse 1, it says, And all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod. Now, the well of Herod basically means the well of trembling. It's not a very good place to pitch if you're going to go into war with somebody, right? But that's, that's, that's the whole scene. The whole scene is so that God gets all the glory. So they're pitched here at the well of Herod, uh, Herod, which is trembling. And they're in the valley, or in the hill of Moriah, in the, in the valley. And that's basically it's Armageddon is what it is. That's Armageddon as far as the territory is concerned. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Let Israel vaunt them, lest Israel vaunts himself against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. That's the twist of this whole thing. First of all, Gideon is powered by the Spirit of God. Second of all, we cannot steal the glory of God. We cannot take for ourselves that which is not ours to take. It's God's. And God was going to make sure that there wasn't going to be a doubt on the battlefield as to who won the victory. It was God Almighty that won the victory. Because He's going to take this force of 32,000 and begin to whittle it down. 32,000, chapter 8, verse 10 tells us that the Midianites were 135,000 strong. And so as Gideon went out to battle against them, he probably thought to himself, oh my goodness, we don't have a chance. 32,000 against 135,000, there isn't a chance. So God calls him. I bet Gideon probably thought to himself, oh, good, good. <laughs> Maybe he's got some soldiers stowed away someplace. And, and we can pick up another few thousand soldiers here to help us out. And God says, you got too many. And basically what he said is this. Those that are without courage, in accordance with Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, those who are without courage, let them go home. We don't want them around because they'll infect the others. That'll become an infestation of fear. And that's the last thing we need when going into the battle. So those who are, 
our, 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 our chickens, let them go home. Now, this is what I'm sure that Gideon didn't count on. 22,000 of the 32,000 said, adios, I'm gone. That leaves him with only 10,000. And then God says it again. Verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. 10,000? Against 135,000 Midianites? Against 135,000 well-equipped, well-trained soldiers of battle? And hardened soldiers of battle? And you're, you're telling me that's too many. That's too many. I will try them for thee there. Verse number 4 in the middle. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go, uh, this shall go with thee. The same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee. The same shall not go with thee. And he puts this test to them, and most of us know the story, and I won't go into the story into tremendous detail uh, this morning. He puts this test where he's looking for men that would actually reach down into the water, and they would pick up the water, and they would begin to lap the water out of their hands. And there were a number of individuals who were just plain famished, and they were dying of thirst, and they just basically dove in the water and began to just suck the water out of the, out of the freshwater stream. And the ones that dove in were 9,700. The ones that picked up the water out and then lapped it, it says like a dog, were actually only 300. You know what's amazing about this portion? I, I, I want to I share this with you because this is the amazing thing about God our Father. First of all, I haven't heard anything about, well, we've got to get weapons. We need spears bows. we got to get prepared. God says, I want you to take them down to water and, and I want to see how they drink water. I would have said, we have an army, one of those, one of those uh, courses that they send you through, you know, you're jumping up for a big you know, wall and, and those who get over this, I, I want to see the guys that got the gusto and the strength, you know. God doesn't do that. He takes a simple matter that we deal with every day and He determines character by it. You see, our character isn't, isn't when we take the mountain and we move it with all our strength. That doesn't prove our character. It's how we live in the valley. It's how we live in the valley. How we respond when, when somebody's driving down the road and they cut you off. Oh, that's our character. It's the simple things. How they drank water. It was done every day. That's how God determined who had character and who did not. How we respond when our wife says something. You, 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 what, do you, what do you say? I, I'm in charge here. 
I'm in charge here. You know? That's what determines character. Our reactions are so much more important than our actions, you know? And God was taking something this simple as to how they would drink water, something that they did every day, and He's going to determine who has character and who does not have character. And 9,700, God said no. And 300, God said yes. Gideon at this point was probably beside himself. Now you've got me 300 against 135,000. What on earth? Good, good question, Gideon, because it's not on earth, it's going to come from heaven. Good question. And with 300, those 300 men, they went for it. Listen, all those other guys, they gave them spears and their, their swords and their, their bows, they gave them all their weaponry. Here's my shield. Here, I'm not going to be needing it. I'm one of the chickens that went home. So here, you're going to need this. And I, No. God says no. And then he allows Gideon to go down into the valley, into the place where the Midianites were. Now, this is no easy thing. And, and, and so God was very merciful. He said, oh, listen, Gideon, I, I've read your heart. You're so full of fear, you're ready to shake right out of your boots. I'm not sure you can make the walk under those conditions. Take Pearl with you. If you're that, you know, if you're that full of fear, listen, I, I understand. He understood from the very beginning. Well, he still found him in the wine vat. He understood. He understands a lot more than I do because I wouldn't have responded that way. Take Pearl with you and they go down. And they have before them this, this whole scene of this barley loaf. Barley loaf of bread. It's like something out of your worst nightmare. Have you ever had these really weird nightmares, you know? I've had some weird ones. But not about barley loaves. But here's, here's a barley loaf and it's rolling down. And it's crushing the tents of the Midianites. And I'm sure that, that Gideon and Pearl probably sit there and say, well, Wait! From the mouth... Of the Midianites, we're going to get an interpretation of this dream. And that's exactly what they do. One of the Midianites perks up and says, I know what this is. This is a sword of Gideon. Now, where did he learn that? Like I said, the reputation of Gideon must have been far and wide by this point. And the Midianites were already in tremendous fear because they knew that the God of heaven that seemingly slept for so many years, seven years, the God of heaven seemingly sleep for seven years has now awakened. And there's power on the horizon in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Midianites knew it. Boy, I wish the Israelites knew it. Sometimes, sometimes the enemy knows it better than the people that are actually being blessed with it. Sometimes the enemy knows us better than we know ourselves. You know? Oh, why are you doing that? Aren't you a Christian? Have you ever got that? Pretty stinking embarrassing, isn't it? It really does embarrass you. And so the barley, light, barley loaf flows down the mountain and it begins to crush the tents. And the Berylonists, the, the Midianites, are defeated before they ever started because God had already placed into them an unbelievable reverence and fear for Himself. Reverence, fear, and respect for the God of heaven. And so verse 16 says, And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put trumpets in every man's hand and an empty pitcher 
and lamps within the pitcher. Now, <clears throat> wow, I mean, do you, do you see Gideon saying, what's this? A, a trumpet? A, what is this? He doesn't say a word, does he? He is convinced at this point. After that dream, something really took off on him. The Holy Spirit began to, to, to become kin with his spirit. And there was power like there never was before. And Gideon was ready to go. I'm ready to go. 300 people with trumps and, 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 and uh, earthen vessels with lights inside. Sure, that's good enough, God. We got you. He knew God's presence at that point. There are some things in life where you just know God is here. God is here. They went up and they surrounded the Midianites. And Gideon said, you wait for my call when I say you go. And they broke those earthen vessels and they blew those trumpets. And, and, and then you, you, you hear the words, <clears throat> but I, I always like this, I, this really, oh, this bothers well, it was because it was really late, dark at night. And when they got up, you know, they didn't know who the enemy was. You know, here's what it says. Here's what it says, verse 22. And the 300 blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. Period. I don't need to know anymore. You know, you come up with all kinds of explanations for it. That's all the explanation I need. The Lord did it. And so they began to destroy themselves. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify you. That's wrong, isn't it? That they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. is all about. We have no right to steal God's glory. The salvation that we enjoy, the place that we have, anything that we are, we've been given. We have no right to touch the glory. Absolutely none. We have all these lights. And Brother Pete was sharing with me, and I thought this was very interesting. You talk about being vulnerable. I, 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 I'll make it a comparison. You're going to go to the north of Iraq, and I want you to set up in one of the cities that the ISIS has taken over, and they're basically in full control. And I want you to go in there, and I want you to have a t-shirt that says, Jesus is Lord! Walk right in there. Jesus is Lord. That's the same as this. These Midianites were cruel, unbelievably cruel. And you know what? We could, we could all always think of how cruel can people be. Now we know. We have ISIS. Can be no more cruel than that. To take and chop the head of a child off right in front of his parents. What on earth 
is happening to mankind, it infuriates me. It causes me to boil. It's an evil that I've never seen in my lifetime. I don't know about you. I've never seen an evil like this. I wasn't here in World War II. Unfathomable. So you go in with your t-shirt on. They go in with their lights. We become extremely vulnerable. Don't put out your light when you step out the door. I think people do that, you know. They, they come amidst the group here. All of us, most of us being Christians anyway. And our light shines. Woo, boy. Woo, look at me. I'm a real spiritual guy. And this instant you get out the, get out that door, the instant the door slams, nail that baby. Now you start working like this. Like you're cool. And, and everybody around you is tough. We're all tough guys, you know. And then when you get back in amongst the fellowship again, whoo, up goes that light again. Wow, isn't that great? Our light can shine amidst all the other lights. The problem is, if everybody's light is shining in here, you can't see yours. You want to really see your light? Go into the darkness. That's where you're going to see your light. Go to the beach this afternoon. You want to see your light? Those who are able to come, you go to the beach. You're going to be surrounded by darkness. It's going to be everywhere. You're going to feel it. You can feel it on yourself. There's where your light shines. I'll tell you, if you come into this building and, and it's the only time that thing is flipped on and everybody looks at it and says, Whoa, look at him! He's a real bright and shining light for the Lord Jesus Christ! Boy, isn't He great! And the second you step out the door, turn it off. Head down, bowed, bound down low because that's the way the world walks, you know? i got a chip on my shoulder right here. I'm a tough guy. You're a tough guy. Without the Lord, you're lost. And that's exactly where they stand. They stand lost. And that's why when we turn on our lights out there in the world, when we keep it on, after we leave here, man alive, it shines so bright. It is unbelievable. Listen, when these 300 guys, when they smash those pots, all of a sudden, whoop! Man, I mean, we're not talking about street lights. There's no street lights, right? And I'm sure God picked a night when the moon was gone. There was no moon. It was dead pitch black. And bam, they got hit with that light. That's what you can be as a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can hit Him with a light. Don't turn it off when you walk out the door. Recently heard about a young man. And he went into the midst of the world. Probably for the first time. Possibly for the first time in his life. And he said, all I heard was, foul language. Unbelievable. And everything's a dirty joke. And, 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 and He said, Dad. Well, I gave it away. He said, what is this? What is wrong with these people? They're lost. They're lost. They're lost. And if we turn off our lights, they could possibly continue to be lost and lost 
and lost. I say keep them on. Keep them on. Keep them on strong. The world's getting darker. It's looking even more brighter, your light, in a darker world. And that darkness is not going to stay in the Middle East. That darkness is coming our way. Ready or not, here it comes. We're going to be challenged in our faith. I, I, sh- I shudder to think about it. I, I don't know how I'm going to respond. I, I don't know. I just know it's coming. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and believe your Father in heaven. Not that it brings glory to us. Don't let it. No, 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 no. You've got you to shine this light in a way that it brings glory to the one who, who gets the glory because if we steal the glory, we are taking something that is not ours. Let it be God's glory. Gideon learned that lesson. They tried to make him king later on. I might be stealing something here. He said, no, thank you. He learned that lesson. It's all of God. Absolutely all of God. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we give You thanks for the Word of God which is so powerful. Not my words. The Word of God. It's sitting here looking at us. It's staring at us saying, this is what I once said. Oh, Father, help us to to not just see it and learn it and understand it, and, but that we put it to action in our own lives. And we become instruments that can be used by You to direct people to the truth which this world so desperately lacks. We give You thanks now, our Father. Part us with Thy blessing. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.